Test one two, test 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 one two. This is Uncle Hokage, your Otaku uncle, and welcome to Uncle Hokage's Anime Podcast. It's a great day. It's a fantastic day out here in Dallas, Texas. I'm Uncle Hokage, your host, and today we're going to be doing part four of the Hunter Hunter talk through. That's the word that I've decided to use as the garnish that encapsulates everything that I'm trying to do when it comes to this hunter-hunter discussion. It's not quite a walkthrough. It's not quite a talk. So I'm going to start calling them a talk-through. A little bit of a blend of words that kind of encapsulates everything that I think this is about. Um, I'm situated down here. Uh, everything is going pretty good. Now that I kind of have my flow, my vibe, I want to just keep podcasting and podcasting and podcasting because I'm having a lot of fun. Um, I really want to upgrade too. Now that I kind of have a feel for everything and have a feel for how I need to get things done so that I can get things out, I got my eye on some new equipment. So hopefully things can uh be well going forward. I've been keeping my eye close on a lot of manga and a lot of anime, and I have two or three ideas for some future episodes. I really want to do a talk about music. I have this almost longing slash frustration with anime opening songs and anime ending songs. There have been certain songs from certain shows that have been so good and so powerful and so interesting that they really sit with me in my in my life. I have fond memories for them. I have attached them to moments throughout my own personal timeline and I feel warm or I feel sad or I feel excited. I feel when I go back and listen to those songs. And the truth is the same when it comes to video games as well. And now, when I watch a lot of anime and manga, so many of the episodes don't really give me that same sense of excitement, thrill, joy, whatever the notions are. I just feel like a lot of them are this weird, blending, mishmash, hodgepodge of the same types of songs over and over and over again until I'm just not that interested in any of them. They're too similar, the, the pieces of them, I guess. They're too like, like a blob. And I have a hard time differentiating between one and the other. Part of it is because when you watch a lot of Shonen Jump shows, they keep trying to expand the length of them. So when they do that, they end up with multiple theme songs. And I'm recently watching Shokugeki no Soma. And there's two theme songs per season and two ending theme songs per season. So that's four songs that they have to create per season. They already have three seasons out, so that's 12 songs that they need to have established, created, and you can only do so much good stuff with that amount of time. So I get it, but that doesn't mean that it's any less 
unsatisfying when I hear these similar type of songs again and again. So instead of harboring on that, I think I wanted to do something which kind of uh, features uh, the ups and downs, that roller coastery vibe of theme songs throughout my life. Some of my favorites, some of the ones that I really love and respect and stuff. So I'm going to do that one day. In addition to that, I want to do an episode about the canceled mangas. There are a few mangas that I thought were really cool that came out for brief periods of time that just faded away to nothingness. And I just reread one of them. And the name is so odd, I can't ever keep it in my head, like Takagama something something. An old Shonen Jump one, which I feel like had a pretty strong, interesting premise, but was missing that X factor that would make it last. And then there's some older ones that stick a little bit heavier, like Zombie Powder, which was very unique and very interesting, um, but didn't quite catch probably with the fans. So uh, Tito Kube ended up making the hit series Bleach after that one. But that was a really, really cool series. And I remember reading it back in the day before we had all this fancy stuff and really liking it. So just another idea. But that's not really what I wanted to talk about today. Today, your otaku uncle. I want to get back into Hunter x Hunter because it's my favorite manga of all time. If you've been listening to some of the other ones, you know how much I love this series. And I'm not reading off of notes, really, which is probably pretty evident from the last one, which was kind of scattered. I'm not really creating an outline or anything like that. I'm just sitting here. I have my coffee brewed. I'm trying a new uh, seasoning for the coffee, some different flavors. And then we're just going to kind of walk through the series. So let me make sure my laptop is plugged in, too, because I don't want no problems. All right, so at the end of the last moment for the Hunter Hunter extravagans, we were talking about how they ended up doing everything that they needed when it came to the spiders. Kurapika essentially Thought he was not going to get his revenge, but then it turned out the bodies were fake. He found out that Hisuka had infiltrated the spiders and wasn't a real spider. Also that he could fight Kuro Lucifer, but he had already placed the, the Nin chain around Lucifer's heart. Which had the condition that if he ever talked to one of the spiders again and told anything about Karapika, who he was, what, his, what he looked like, what his abilities were, or if he ever used Nin again, then he would die. So basically, when Hisuka finally had his moment to fight uh, Kuroro, up on that cliff, Kuroro realized he wasn't a spider, and he was able to tell him that he was now broken, and Hisuka's face is priceless. Uh, one of the funniest moments in the entire series. And he gets back on the blimp, and they fly away, because Hisuka, as he puts it, has no use for broken toys. Hisuka's a crazy dude. He loves the fact that 
somebody could be as potentially strong as him. Someone could present him a challenge because for him, fighting is sex, it's pleasure, it's excitement, it's thrill, it's tension, anticipation, everything that gets associated with sex. That's what Hisoka is all about. So when he sees somebody with some potential, he wants to build them up so that they're worthy of fighting and making him um, feel that thrill, feel that excitement. But when someone is already worthy to fight, he just wants nothing more than to get close to them so that he can fight them for real. And then when that's taken away, after all the buildup, after the years of infiltration, after the sneaky things he did to keep them present, just so that they didn't leave, so that he could have a chance to fight him, it just ends in a puff of smoke. And he wanders away, and he just doesn't care for a long, long time. Now, there's some other things that happen beyond that. Karapika is basically bedridden. He needs rest because using his 100% of Nen capacity, which is what happens when he goes into red eye mode, which gets named later, which we'll get into in another arc, he's able to use 100% of all of the Nen categories, which makes him one of the most powerful beings in the universe. But his physical body can only bear so much. So it's up to his mind to maintain uh, a sense of awareness about what he can and cannot handle. And throughout this, he gets overtaxed and he basically is bedridden, sick for weeks. So he's out of the picture, which Gon likes because now Gon hopes he's able to take his mind off the spiders and find a new purpose and not spend his entire life focused on the heartbreaking, terrible struggle of revenge. So uh, after that, you have the, the one guy who helped them to secure their money back plus interest so they could try to get into the auction. He decides to go off and be a hunter because he realized, huh, if only there was a quick way for me to earn money. And then he realized that Gon is a hunter. Maybe I'll try to be a hunter. That'll solve all my problems. And it's such an interesting little thread that Tagashi threw in because a lot like One Piece, when you throw in these little things, it's kind of cool. But then later on, should the characters actually come back, you have that connection to them already and you like them even more. The same thing with uh, Kobe and uh, Captain Morgan's son, who I think his name is um, Mifuni. And I'm not, or Mifumpo, something like that. I'm not going to do a One Piece talk through on the whole series. It's too long. There's too many arcs. But Hunter Hunter is perfect just because of the structure, how it's put together, and things like that. So, they know of Greed Island. They know that Gon's dad is the one who established and created this game. And through a series of kind of cool steps, they're realizing that to learn more about Gon's father, they have to procure a copy of the game. And it was really, really cool kind of reading that because 
it was so nostalgic for me. Greed Island is basically played on the Joy Station, Joy Stay, as Kilua says in the 1999 version. Uh, Joy Station is basically PlayStation 1, and it uses memory cards, it uses uh, discs, but in this instant, some other uh, Nin abilities are required as well for the Greed Island game. It's a game that only hunters can play. They had to pay to get into a website that only hunters can go to with their hunter's license. Then they had to pay for so someone would tell them information about Greed Island. And it's the most dangerous game in the world, as it's touted. And that just makes them intrigued. Now, there was the whole scene where there, they had the the boom box that Jing had left for them in order to find him. He said, I've, there are clues about me inside Greed Island, you know, if you want to know more about me, come on. And um, then they, he said, oh, and if you want to know more about your mother, and then gone and clicked it off. And he said, Mito-san is my mother. I don't care. Now, they also, oh, also, this was like a drone style delivery before, uh, drone style delivery, where they had, they said, well, let's use our money with our same day immediate delivery. And they got something helicoptered into Whale Island and parachuted that same, like in an hour or something, which was convenient for storytelling and kind of future thinking, because that's probably how things are going to be going for us in the future once drone technology becomes really more commonplace and really regulated. So they now know of Greed Island. Kilua has his brother Miluka or Miluki, and he calls him and he said, just to get some information, he says, We can ask my brother. He's a big gamer, he's an otaku. We'll figure out what's going on. So he calls him and he asks him, Hey, um, have you ever heard of this game called Greed Island? And he says, Wait a minute, how did you know about Greed Island, Kilua? And Kilua says, Well, what if I were to tell you that? we have actual memory card with saved data from Greed Island. And he confirms that it's the rarest game in the world. He wants to know how he has it. And Kilua says, tell you what, we'll give you a trade. If you can give us any info about Greed Island, then I'll give you the memory card data. And Kilua turns to Gon and says, don't worry, don't worry. I'm just going to give him a copy of the data that your dad left, not the actual data. So he makes a trade and he tells them that it's a very, very rare game and you can only get it from this auction. And that kind of speeds things into motion. So that kind of picks up where we left off. It's time for the auction. For Gon now has the money that he earned with the trader that he met. And now he and Kilua, wearing tuxedos, are going to try and win a copy of Greed Island. So they decide to go to the auction. As they're arriving, they run into two of the spiders. And they tr immediately run away. Now, the two spiders are obviously stronger than them. They're more powerful than them, faster than them. Their nin is impressive. They zoom after them, and they catch the two of them. And they grab them, and they say, don't worry, don't worry. We're just enjoying the auction. We're not going to kill you guys. We're just here to see what happens. So when they ask, why aren't you going to kill us, he's relays back to them that 
Pakunoto. I'm, I'm blanking on her name. Hold on. Because I feel like these character names are really important. Okay. Here we go. So Finks and Phaeton are the ones that they come across. And they're talking about, yeah, Pakunoda. She's the one that could read people's memories by, ha by touching them, and she could share experiences through Nin bullets, which she could shoot directly into people's brains. Um, she has memories of seeing Gon and Kailua and seeing them fighting for her so that they can resolve things peacefully and she could stay alive. And they said, you know, she was grateful to you for the kindness that you showed her. So, you know, we don't want to disrespect that. And that little moment of humanity, that little bit of touching behavior, it kind of, you know, it tugs at you just a little bit, just a little bit as right before we get into this next arc. But it just shows that even though these guys are hardened criminals, that they're borderline sociopathic killers and thieves and torturers in some case, they're still human. And in a lot of ways, it's their humanity that allows us to connect with them on that level as well. So the auction, love the auction. The auction is really, really cool. And I know it's just a means to an end, so it could have been whack, but he actually took some time to show everything. So the three of them, I believe, are sitting in the, the stands and they're watching as things are being auctioned off and they're learning the signals and gone and screws up and kind of imitates one of the signals, what have you. But they have the auctioneer who is basically built like Nicki Minaj from the waist down. And she says, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're finally, we've, we showed you all the weird stuff, all the crazy, creepy stuff. Now we're going to show you the legendary Greed Island. Now, here is a copy of the game Greed Island that's currently being played. And they hooked it up to a TV and they bring out a PlayStation that's just running on its own. It's not plugged in. And she says, it's being ran by a mysterious energy and there's aura around it. So we know because we're in the know that it's being ran by Nen. And this giant guy comes out with a sledgehammer. And she says, now right now, memory card is plugged in, and you can see the image of the character of the person who has been transported into this title on screen. Now, that's all it's going to show us is just who's plugged in. That's it. But as you can see... And then this giant guy bursting with muscles, like all these muscles kind of like piled together and compiled. And then he takes a giant sledgehammer and tries to smash it, but the sledgehammer breaks. The, the console remains unscathed. And she says, as you can see, the console cannot be destroyed while it is in play. Something protects it. So we have, 
I don't know how many copies they had, like six or seven copies of Greed Island available for auction, starting the bid at several millions of dollars. So soon Gon and Killua realized that despite the fact that they have procured millions, they don't have nearly enough to get even a single copy of Greed Island. It's too rare, it's too precious, and a particular billionaire is there, and he's bidding on every single copy, spending massive amounts of fortunes to get it. In addition to that, Kilo's brother tries to win a copy, but he can't. He doesn't have the amount of money to compete with this super billionaire. So they failed. At least they thought they failed. Now, now is what happens from where I mentioned earlier, where the one auctioneer guy decides to go off on his own. He apologizes, and then he, he says off screen that he's going to go try to be a hunter. But Gon says, Killua, I have a plan on how we can still get into Greed Island. And Killua says, what? I don't know, Gon. Like, you don't usually think things through. What is the probability of this plan? And Gon says about 60%. And they're like, huh. If you're sure, okay, we can try it. So Gon explains the plan to Kilua, and he says, oh, that's actually better than 60%. That's more like 80%, maybe 90 The plan is to go to the guy who is buying all the copies, because what they realized is he is trying to beat the game, Greed Island, for some unknown reason. So he's hiring hunters to go in on his behalf. Now, they go and they immediately find him in the auction and they say, despite our looks, we're both hunters and we would like the chance to play and beat Greed Island for you. So the billionaire, he turns to his pro hunter who is kind of leading the charge and he says, well, what do you think? And he says, well, if they are hunters then I feel like everybody should have the choice because they've already done the hunter's exam. So he says, okay, show me your, your uh, 10 or whatever. Show me your nin. So the two of them both show their aura. And the billionaire says, well, I believe the billionaire's name is Batista. He says, well, what do you think? Can they survive? And he says, no. The way they are now, they'd be killed in an instant. They're upset but he says, that's the way of the world. But don't worry, we're holding auditions in two weeks. Come back. Now, this is where things get interesting. Because Kilo and Gon are now going to go into training mode where they realize that they have a couple of weeks to try to figure out how they can get into this game because it's the only connection to Gon's father. Greed Island. And it's probably going to be their only opportunity to get into the game and their only opportunity to get to Gon's father. So they decide to do it. Kilua says that they need special abilities, something to elevate them. Now that they know the basics of Nen, it's time to personalize Nen. So Kilua says, okay, Gon, you're on your own. I'm going to go study by myself. Keep up with me or you're going to get left behind. And he kind of does it tongue in cheek to kind of push him. But he was really already thinking about his own special abilities. So he locks himself in a room and he pulls out a taser. He focuses his Nen aura, zaps his arm with a taser, brings his fingers together, and then bzzz, there's a little shock of electricity that kind of appears. Um, 
can I add too that this is where things start to really open up because we are have finally seen special abilities from other than characters based on the spiders, based on Kuro Lucifer, uh, Pakunoda, Kurapika, etc. And now we're getting them for our main characters. They're going to get their own special abilities. So, Kilua slowly starts to progress. And in the next room, Gon can't figure out anything because it requires thinking and he doesn't know and he doesn't know what to do. So he asked Karapika to train him, but Karapika is still bedridden and was like, no, I can't do it, Gon, but don't you already have a master? Don't you already have somebody whom can train you for this? And Gon says, that's right. So he calls Master Wing. Master Wing says, well, Gon, you're a reinforcement type like me and Zushi's in the back training, like also like hanging back. And he says, okay, so the best way for us to get stronger as reinforcement types, brute force types, is to just keep slowly training everything all the time. So he says, Gon, focus on all the pieces you've learned and combine them. So Gon says, uh, okay. So he goes through the six-step process. Nin, Ten, Ren, Zetsu. And he's just like, what is going on? One of them means open up all your chakras. And the other one means close all your chakras. And he's like, it's like looking left and right at the same time. It's like, how can you do both? And then he says, huh, I did forget something. Gyo. Gyo is the Nin ability that they learned, I want to say last, where you concentrate your nin aura around your eyes so that you can see nin everywhere. Gyo is the thing where he realizes that he can now see the aura around his body so he can focus where that aura is leaking away, bring it together, concentrate it, and then focus that aura to his fist. And he glows just around his fist and then gone yells in delight. And Kilo hears him and says, awesome. See, you finally figured it out. He doesn't say this to Gon. He kind of murmurs it to himself. And he says, okay, we're good. So two weeks pass, and they finally go to the audition. And there's a whole host of characters that you cannot wait to talk about and introduce and meet. And this is really cool because... Now we're kind of getting into the weird, mysterious, wild west, don't know what's going to happen territory because we think we've prepped, but we really don't know. So um, the, the main Nin guy for Bautista, and there's so many characters. I'm, I'm not going to remember his name. I'm not going to waste your time looking it up, but you know who I'm talking about. He dresses like a safari, and he has pointy ears and a beard. Anyway, he says, okay, everybody who's here, we're going to select uh, 18 people out of like, there's, only, there's probably like two or 300 people there for the audition. The way it works is each of the Joy Station consoles has a room for two memory slots, but if you put in a connector port for additional memory slot, you can do two connector ports into the console, and each connector port has four slots. So that means eight, eight total memory slots that can be added. So because of the amount of consoles that they have, they, had, they can allow that many people to get inside the game. Now, 
inside the game, there is danger. It is difficult, but you have it upon. You have to take it upon yourself to clear the game. And if you can clear the game, you can there. You can bring back whatever you want after they get a chance to look through your inventory. Now, Kilua discerns that there's something inside the game that Bautista wants, but he can't get for himself. So that's why he's sending all these very strong, capable people to go into the game and get it. That being said, it's uh, now a chance to, be evalu to evaluate yourself. So everyone rushes over to be evaluated, because if he only has 18 slots, there's not going to be enough room. So... Kilo and Gon just sit there, along with a couple of other people. And the one guy, he says, you know, everybody else here is being kind of dumb because you have to think about how much money this guy has invested. So there are a couple of strong people here, but if you invested billions into these games, do you really think he's not going to check every single person just to make sure, because it can make or break it. So there's no point in hurrying. Just take your time. And he's like, you kids are smart. And then Kilo turns to Gon and says, you see that, Gon? A lot of people who can't do will talk. <laughs> and so the guy is irked, but then he goes, he's like, see you in the game. You know, he's a little confident, but a little thrown at the same time. He's the joke foil for other characters at this time. So eventually, Gon and Kilo are go into the game one at a time and they say, okay, next we are going to have you show me your, uh, show me your Nen. And they say, well, can I show you my um, Hatsu? And he says, well, yeah, I mean, that's what we mean. When I say show me your Nen, show me the results of your training, whatever you can do. So Kilo says, okay, he uh, I believe he doesn't need to stab himself with a um, with a taser anymore. But either way, he shoots lightning out of his fingers. And the guy's like, oh, man, yeah, you're in. Go ahead. So then Gon goes in, and Gon says he concentrates all his energy around his fist until it's massive. And he says, okay, hit that wall over there with your fist. So Gon punches the wall, shakes the room, there's a huge boom, and he gets accepted too. And when they get backstage, they laugh and they see each other and they're like, okay, we're in with around, you know, 16 other people. Boom. So they have been selected. They're going to Greed Island, whatever it is. And once they get to the consoles, they get selected in the order in which they go inside. They finally get teleported into the game. And when I mean teleported in, when you cast your Nen over the game, over the memory slot, you're teleported in into this other location. First, you go into this weird orb room with a woman sitting inside this weird chair. And it looks very gamey, matrixy, kind of, she has a crazy headset. It's pretty cool. So... Once they're inside, Gon gives our eyes, and she says, hi. And he says, hey, I have this uh, cool memory ring, save data from Greed Island. And she says, oh, 
you must be Jing's son, and Gon's heart stops. Now, if you've been a fan of the show, you know that Gon is trying to meet and get to know his father. That's why he is trying to become a hunter. That's why he became one, because he thinks that the, the position must be brilliant if someone would leave their son over it. And it's one of the most famed positions that you can have in the world. So he's trying to get to meet his, his dad. He's trying to get to meet Jing. And when he gets there, she says, I have a message for you, gone from Jing. It says, gone, congratulations on finding and being able to get into my game. If you think there's going to be a clue for you in here in order to find me, well, you're wrong. I just wanted to show you my cool game. Hope you have fun. Enjoy it. And like, that's the whole message. And Gon's like, that's it? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. So he's like, all right. So he walks out uh, of her place. And you see him exit this like grass hut. And he enters these plains, like grassy plains, almost like an African safari. And that's how you know he's entered the game. Now, Back in the day, this is where the hiatus started. And so it was a while before you, he, we got any Greed Island chapters. There was a big break right here. And I remember being like, no, because it's so gripping. You're finally getting to see this weird world, Greed Island, all this tension. You don't know really what's going on. He gets transported into a PlayStation, basically. And now you're just like, what is happening? It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So, ah, delicious. So, Kilo finally gets in the game, and they're both inside the game. And it's weird, and it's random, and they're both just there, standing in the grass. And Kilo says, hey, gone. And there, Gon's like, yes. And he says, you get this weird feeling? And, and Gon's like, yeah, someone's been watching us since we got here. He feels eyes all around him. It's crazy. Then out of nowhere, someone flies from the sky, lands right in front of them, and he's smiling. Some crazy, like, rocker guy. And in front of him is this open giant book, like a dictionary, just floating right in front of him. And he had aura all around him when he landed. And he pulled and he says, hey, welcome to the game. And they're both standing there and, they, and they're like, huh, uh, hello. And he says, so you go through both new to the game. And they're saying, what? what do you, how do you know we're new? And he says, oh, I wonder. But then you hear his thoughts. And he says, huh, you can tell you're new because neither of you pulled your book out a second I came in front of you. It's the first thing everybody does, to sh uh, whether they have uh, spells or not. And so he says, okay, we're going to do Trace On, first spell. And he picks one of their names. He says, Kilua. And then this bolt of energy flies from his book and starts zooming at Kilua and Kilua starts running and he starts laughing and he says you can't escape a spell in the game he starts laughing and and then the jolt of energy strikes Kilua and then Kilua looks down at his body he's unharmed 
But then he glares. He gives him that same assassin glare and stares at the guy. And he says, what the hell did you do to me? And the guy freaks. He goes, oh, my God, this guy is dangerous. And he says, return on Macedonia. And he zooms away. He shoots up into the sky and zooms away. And neither of them know what's going on. Now, I want to jump back a little bit to right after the auction, because one of the consuls was actually lost. Bautista, who won the auction, did not receive everything that he ordered. One of the consuls was stolen by, you guessed it, the Phantom Troop. Now, they do whatever they want. It's in their MO. They're the strongest group under the heaven. And at the end of the last arc, we find out they're from the city of the shooting star, I believe. It's a lost, it's a city of garbage where everything in the world and anything can be sent to be thrown away, can be sent as trash and even people, whatever the world doesn't want, they just send it there. But through certain circumstances and through either country collaborations or mafia ties, these individuals who are from there are untouchable. The reason is if someone retaliates against any type of citizen from this location, the retaliation for them harming them is just endless. It's 30,000 times fold. So no one wants to mess with this group. Not just because they're strong, but because they have crazy, weird intense backing. Nobody wants that type of damage brought on them. So that is kind of the, the cachet that comes with being a member of the spiders. In addition to that, they eventually steal a copy of the Greed Island game. Finks and Phaeton bring it back, and they give it to Shalnark because he's kind of the informative one. He'll look through the logic of things, piece things through, and try to figure out what's really going on with this. So they steal a Joy Station console. They find out that you can plug in a couple of memory memory uh, expanders so you can have eight slots. And they say, hey, uh, we're going to play this game. It looks like it's a game where you can die. It looks like fun. You want to come in? And uh, some of them are like, nah, I'm good. But the other two are like, all right, suit yourself. I'm going to play for a while. So they zoom into the game. <laughs> so the spiders are wandering about in there as well. So inside Greed Island, you have Killua, you have Gone, and you have all of these crazy random things happening. They run and uh, wander into a first town, which I believe is Macedonia. And it's just like an RPG. So they go in and they're like, wow, this place is crazy. And it's a whole bunch of like cool looking buildings, weird bubbly skyscrapers, you know, probably music playing. I can't really remember if they expressed that in the manga, but I believe in the anime, it's weird music playing. So they stumble into a cafe and they start slowly figuring some things out. They find out that they have a book that they can make appear by saying book. And that gives you 99 slots for cards, or 100 slots for cards. And 
from double zero all the way to 99. Everything in the game uh, can be turned into a card. So if you pick up a sword, you can turn it into a, a, a sword, the sword into a card. But if you want to use a sword, you got to turn the card back into a sword. But you could also put it in your book. The purpose of the game is to try to collect all 100 card slots. And people suspect that you can collect all 99 cards because there's a bunch of rare cards in the Greed Island um, game. But in order to collect all 99 of them, um, you have to undergo certain tasks. So in addition to that, other things can be made into cards. So if you pick up a rock, it'll turn into a card. But there is no card slot for rocks. Certain cards have numbers, and certain cards are blank. So you can have a, num a numbered card and a non-numbered card. Num Non-numbered cards may be useful for other purposes. But if you keep them outside of the book, outside of the card slot for a long time, they'll turn back into the item. So in addition to the 100 slots for the numbered cards, you have a, a couple of blanks, blank pages where you can put non-numbered slots as well. So that's the long and short of how it works and why everybody is desperate to win because they want all of the cards. Because certain cards are very rare. There may be only like five in number. So if five people throughout the game already have a numbered that number card in their book, another one won't be created. But say one person uses that card, so only four of the five are are taken. That means the fifth card will appear somewhere else in the game for someone to find. Pretty fun. But it's kind of dangerous because after a while, people started killing each other for cards. Now, that's going to come up more later, but in the beginning, Gon and Kilua are just wandering around kind of clueless. They go to this cafe and there's a big cat waiter guy and he says, hey, if you, if you can eat everything, it's full. And they say, what does that mean? He says, I don't understand. No, no. He says, if you can eat everything that I present to you, then you get it for free. And then Gon said, what happens if we don't? And he says, I don't understand. And Kilua says, oh, it's an RPG game. He only has certain phrases programmed into him, so he can't, you can't ask him too many complicated questions. So... They go and they eat everything, and they're like, yay, congratulations. They're like, woohoo. And they're like, all right, your bill is 1,900 um, bits of money. And then Gon's like, what? I thought you said it was free if we finished it. He's like, yeah, the food, not the drinks. You, had, you each had two or three colas or something like that. And so they try to hand him some money, but he's like, I don't know what that is. Money in this world is also in cards. So they have to end up washing dishes so they don't get in trouble. Pretty funny. Uh, then they start wandering in the town, and they join a rock paper scissors tournament, which the the winner gets a rare card. So because Gon and Kilua have really sharp eyes, they're able to kind of predict what a person's fingers are going to do as it's being made, so they can always win. And then Gon switches his hands up at the last minute so he can beat Kilua, and he wins the necklace of something, which. Uh, is pretty pretty important, but he gets he he goes to wear it around his neck, and as soon as he wears it, other people try to steal it from him. So apparently, in this world, because cards are so rare and because it's so difficult, leaving this world is tough. 
it's very hard. Even though that you, a lot of people are of hunter quality, they found that it's too hard to get in and out of the game at all. So they just started their own lives. So now guys have wives, they have families, and they're just living inside this whole Greed Island place because they had no hopes of escaping it. In addition to that, they're not the strongest fighters. So Gone and Killua trick both of trick a few of them. They don't give up their cards because they're being clever until they eventually run into real hunters who steal the cards from them, which they don't have a hope of beating because they've been in the game for a long time. They're very strong, and then Gone loses that card for good. So afterwards, there's a group gathering, and they say, hey, if you want to learn more about this game, please come and say hello to the group. And it's groups of about 30 or 40 newcomers, and they say, we're here because we're trying to beat this terrible, terrible, deadly game. End it and let everyone be free. Now, this is when things start to get kind of serious in regards to this game. Because as I explained how the game works, they start going into how people have started killing each other for cards because there's no real regulations here. If someone wants to take your card, then, and then they can kill you and take it and there's kind of nothing you can do about it. Everyone here is a NIN user, so most of them are fighters by trade. So this is a place only for the strong. So what does the strong do when it has something that the weak, when it wants something that the weak has? They take it by any means necessary. Now, they go on and on and talk about the conditions and what we're looking for. We're trying to expand our group so that we can finally clear the game. And um, one guy, he walks up to them. He's like, hey, be wary of the bomb devil. Have you heard of him? And he like, goes up to Kilua and, he, and gone. He's like, hey, be careful. He you know, punches on the shoulder. He's like, be careful of the bomb devil. There's some sort of person out there. So... The guy says, okay, if you want to stay and we'll figure out a means as a group to, cl to clear this game, you can. Um, a lot of them choose to stay, but Gon immediately gets up and leaves, and Kilua follows him. And he says, I'm going to go with my friend. See you guys later. Good luck. So Gon is actually angry, and Kilua says, well, why are you so upset? And he says, because these people are making Jean's game out to be evil, and it's not. You don't have to kill someone to take their card, but all these people have turned something fun into something bad. And Kilo was like, huh, I didn't even really think of it like that. And as they're walking, they realize that another little girl is following them. And they're like, huh, that's weird. So they're like, well, let's just leave her. So they try to run away. And so they basically run away a little bit. Um, and they say, okay, gone. Now, if we come across something where somebody does want one of our cards, how should we handle it if we're not gonna kill? And he says, well, we'll arrange like a duel and we'll say, we'll fight and the winner gets the card and that will be our terms. And Kilo says, okay, cool, I like that. Let's go with it, keeping it wholesome. So she follows these kids from afar, Gon and Kilua, and they're like, we can't shake her, it's weird, but she keeps following them anyway. So in addition to that, back in the cave, the guy explains exactly how 
things are going down uh, with the game. And he says, okay, the whole point is for us to get one completed binder of all of the Greed Island cards and win and defeat everything. We have most of these number cards, but these certain rare cards we've never even seen appear. We don't even know how to get them. So everybody take this sheet of paper and memorize exactly what's on this sheet. And once you do, we'll be quizzed by us so that you can uh, get into the system. So one guy looks over the sheet and hands it back almost immediately. He says, okay, I got to memorize. Now, this is one of the characters that I personally like because of how smart he is. It's the first time a black anime character has really been kind of established as somebody who's smart instead of somebody who's just big and loud and borderline a joke or as a foil for the traditional characters to defeat so that they look stronger. Um, I'm trying to figure out if I can find his name because on the Hunterpedia Oh, they do. I had to go to locations and I had to go to Greed Island. I love Hunterpedia for stuff like this because it really, it's really better than, um, it's better than regular Wikipedia because it's almost like designed with, it's designed with the fan in mind as opposed to the website in mind, if that makes any sense. So, um, I don't know if, that particular character is listed here or not. But he hands the paper back like 10 minutes later, and they're like, you really memorize it? He's like, of course. He says, okay, uh, give me two examples of a rare card in numbers 38, 48, 72, or whatever he says. And he rattles them off right away. Now, they're like, all right, perfect, you're in. Now, the other loud guy from in the beginning, he says, oh, oh yeah, 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 I'm, I memorized it too. I'm ready. And they say, okay. And they ask him a similar question, and he, say, he gets the answer wrong. And they're like, no, go back and study. Um, so it's nice to see a character who's more on the clever end than on just the ridiculous end who happens to be a black character. So shout out once again to, to Togashi for that. So... After the group finally has what they need, they're in a cave now, their group hideout. One person says, awesome, thank you so much. He was one of the people explaining things to the group. And he says, hi, uh, before we go any further, I just wanna let you know I am the bomb devil. And they're like, what? And he says, okay, so as a bomb devil, here's how I operate. I have two powers. The first is called Little Flower, and it allows me to attach, it allows me to explode anything that I touch with my hand. And the second is the Time Bomb. I, all I have to do is ask somebody if they've seen the Bomb Devil and touch a part of their body, and I can attach a bomb to that person. And then everyone remembers that he went around the entire, to everybody in the room, and he says, I'm the bomb devil. Do you know the bomb devil? Have you met the bomb devil? Have you heard anything about the bomb devil? All these little things happening all the way throughout. Be careful of the bomb devil. And everyone realized he did it to everyone in the room. And he says, once I explain my powers, the bombs are active. And then everyone looks down, and they have a bomb placed on their person somewhere. 
and it has a timer, and it's the timer is slowly going down. So he says, now that you all know, here is what I will do. I will release you from these bombs if you give me every single card that you have. So what's more important to you, your Greed Island cards or your life? And he says, you guys have a few days to decide. I will talk to you later. And so he leaves. And they all freak out and everyone is going crazy and they're realizing, why is, why is my timer going so fast? This is crazy. And then the smart guy, he says, huh? And he checks his pulse and he checks the timer and he says, everybody, you need to calm down because the timer for the bomb is based on your heartbeat. So the more panic you get, the faster you're going to tick, the faster your heart's going to go. And then the quicker the timer is going to tick. So they're realizing that they're all dead. They can't just remove the nin. It's crazy. So they realize they're in a terrible, terrible position. And the smart guy, uh, he kind of wanders off. I would love to find his name. I want to say his name was like um, Nobunaga or something like that. Um, but I know that I know that's not right. There's so many characters. Um, I should probably just like search for like bomb devil, uh, Hunter Hunter. I might have to do that. I love Google. Cool. All right. Bomber. Okay. So the bomber's name is Ginthru. And I, knew, I know for a fact they're not going to talk about the one character who's actually using his brain. Despite the fact of how important he is. Um, anyway, okay. Forget that. So the smart guy, smart black guy, he wanders off away from the group. In the group, after a couple of days, they decide we're just, we don't have a choice. He got us. So they gather all their cards, deliver everything to the bomb devil, and they say, and he says, oh, good. You finally delivered all your cards. You gave them over. Very nice. Thank you. Good job. And they're like, okay, okay. Now, you said that you'd remove the bombs. He's like, exactly. Let me release you. And so he gets his two compatriots together. They put their, th their thumbs together, and he shouts, release, and everybody's bomb explodes. Now, at the same time, the smart guy who is no longer in the cave with them, he used his own nin ability where he throws a voodoo doll on a fire. And by comparison of the nin that exists, he, he is able to um, contain harmful nin that's been attached to his body. But the doll turns into some sort of creature depending on how powerful the nin attached to him is. And the bomb devil's power is incredibly, incredibly big. So it turns to this huge kind of like wormy-like creature that crawls around his body and then swallows the bomb whole. That's how he's able to escape exploding because uh, he now has this nin creature in place of the bomb. But it's, a, it's attached to him. He can't just get rid of it. So he has to wear this cloak and his disguise to escape. 
Now, the bomber explained that the only way to get rid of the bomb is to touch him and say, I caught the bomb devil. But no one can do it because he's way stronger than everybody. And he killed all of them. Uh, he says, see, I released you from your pain. I released you from the bomb. Now you're dead. Crazy, right? So now we have our villains throughout this Greed Island section of this Hunter Hunter uh, talk through. Greed Island is so much fun for an RPG player. If you like Yu-Gi-Oh or Cars or JRPGs or Final Fantasy or any of those, it's just fun because you have your villains who are playing their own underlying game. But when we get to Gone and Kilua, they're just enjoying the the game of it all. They're 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 having so much fun. They're loving it. They're they're going around and being like, okay, we're just going to collect cards on our own and we're going to play the game on our own. Even though they're getting their butts whipped over and over and over again. They come across tiny monsters that they can't defeat. They come across a giant cyclops that they can't harm. It's way bigger and stronger than them. They come across a lizard that they try to chase, but then they have to run away because he's way too strong. They come across a horse that shoots bubbles that when they try to get to the bubbles, the bubbles explode on impact and the horse gets away. They can't do anything. And all the while, this girl is following them and they can't really escape her until they get to this one little fuzzy thing and she can't contain it anymore. So she jumps out from behind a rock and yells, you need to use Gyo! Use Gyo! You haven't used it the entire time. She's frustrated because she sees all this potential and none of them are using their training properly. So they use Gyo and they realize that the thing they've been trying to catch as actually a line of Nin, as it's being contained by another uh, creature. And what they think was difficult was actually a rank D card. And she says, okay, I am now your new, I'm now your new master. I'm going to get you guys trained up because you are going to get yourself killed. Now, Gon and Kila will argue right away. But, but she, they say, we already have a master. And they're like, who? And she was like, Master Wing. And she's like, oh, kind of a guy with glasses, schlubby, always has his shirt untucked. And they're like, yeah, you know him? He's like, yeah, I'm his master too. So since I'm your master's master, there shouldn't be any problem with me training you guys. And they're like, huh, well, that's weird. So she says, okay, here's what we're going to do. You guys are going to do everything that I say, and we're going to get you trained up because otherwise you're going to get killed out there. So they eventually find their, find their way to the fact that they're not using the nin properly. And they have to figure out how to first channel their nin so they can actually play the game to a reasonable degree. So... They get it followed and attacked by some guy with a scissors who is a known serial killer. And he said he's stalking them. And he likes to basically kill children. And he's this creepy dude. And he attaches his nin to scissors. So he dashes forwards and cuts a bit of the girl's hair. And her name is Biscuit. And he eats the hair. And he uses it to analyze the person. And then he realizes that she's been trained through years of experience, a perfect 
physique, super strength, etc. And then he puts his scissors away and he says, I want to request a fight. And she says, oh, so you're not just a mindless killer. Okay, cool. So he comes at her and then she basically handles him, flips him around and then bashes him in the stomach so that he spits blood in like a couple of panels. She's way stronger than he is. And she says, okay, here's what you're going to do for your training. You three are going to find a way to defeat our new serial killer friend here, and I'm going to watch. You guys have a week to stop him and defeat him. So that's what they start doing. And what they do is they both start fighting him at the same time. They fight him and they fight him and they fight him at the same time. Now, he uses scissors to extend the, 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 the reach and the length of his attack. And so they can't quite get near him. But Gon punches a wall and he's able to carry like a big rock massively so that the scissors now become a moot point. So if they do slash, they're going to clink against this giant stone or maybe cut through because they're using Nen. But either way, it's a shield and a perfect attack. And as they're coming at him one at a time, one at a time, the serial killer guy realizes now they've lined the entire quarry with these giant rocks. The two of them can hide behind the, the giant rocks and they can ambush him at their leisure. So that then becomes a new fight ground. Now eventually they corner him and they pin his arms to the ground so he can't attack them. And Kilua is about to land a finishing blow, but Gon says, Kilua, wait, we still have a week. Let's stay around and let's really get trained up. So that's what they do. Every single day they stay and they train him. And even when they sleep, he tries to first sneak away, but then they jump up. They know where he is. He can't escape their trained gaze. So they get stronger and stronger throughout the week until eventually they're fighting him one at a time, until eventually they're able to use their abilities and stop him. And he says, just kill me. Just let me go. Just let me die. And Gon instead says, oh, thank you, mister, for letting us train with you. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. And he says, what, you're letting me go? And they're like, yeah, you trained us the whole time. Gon doesn't care about the fact that this guy was basically going to probably cut him up and eat him. He just sees him as a new training partner. He's that pure. And that's the protagonist. I don't know if it's a positive or a negative. That comes with a lot of anime protagonists, that kind of pure of heart, forgiving nature thing. Gon has that in spades, and the rest of us are skeptical. So eventually he leaves. And the two of them are a little bit stronger, but they're not strong enough. Biscuit now says they now need to learn how to move Nin throughout their body, how to be in a constant state of readiness. So she hands them, um, she hands them uh, two shovels and a wheelbarrow. And she says, okay, we're now going to uh, dig our way through this mountain. <laughs> and, you know, that whole training, that rigorous physical ability. So she holds a finger up and she says, hey, just so you know, I'm making, you need to use Gyo at all time. What do you see? What do you see? And they both use Gyo and they realize she is the number one floating above her finger in Nin. And they say... Ah, one. And she says, right. 
But gone answered a little bit first. So Keila will give me 100 push-ups. She says, from now on, whenever I put my finger in the air, I will be making a different number. The first person to answer wins, and the other person uh, should do some push-ups every single time. It'll keep you with your training, and it'll keep you to stay on your toes. So... She now is their master in full. So they use their shovels and they're shoveling through mountains better than a normal human could. They're making their way. They're digging this giant tunnel somehow until they get to rock and they're stuck and the shovel is not going to go through it until Kilua has an idea and he says, huh, what if I extend my aura to include myself and the shovel? And when they do that, the shovel with the nen wrapped around it cuts through the rock like butter. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. It's like really easy. But then they get super, super tired. And Biscuit says that this is actually a technique that people use in order to learn to refine their nin. So they shovel all the way through Macedonia through the, the mountain, all the way to Macedonia, and they make it to the other side. And she's like, awesome, now we're gonna go back to the other side. And they're like, what? And she's like, through the mountain. It's just more training. And as they're training and as she's teaching them to stay on their toes, they're slowly developing their skill set and getting more refined in their nin. And after they do that a few times, she says, okay, um, we're finally to a comfortable position where now if you come across somebody, your nin is good enough that you know what to do, but you've never really, really used this refined nin in a fight. As you've extended Nen, etc., you are now going to have to learn how to fight with Nen. So she has them spar. And she's like, so what do you do when you spar with Nen? You have to use Gyo because you have to see where the Nen is around somebody's body. So if you put 100% Nen on your fist, you have a terrifying strike. But that means... There's no nin around your body. So if your opponent strikes you with just 20%, you are going to die. So she says you have to allocate certain pieces of your nin to certain pieces of your body in order to be competitive and not vulnerable. So she shows them how to move just 20% of their nin to their fist and then 30% to their leg and then move it around your body. And what they have to do is they have to slowly move their nin around so, and spar with each other. So Gon puts 30% nin into a punch. Kilo says, okay, eyeballing it, that looks about 35%, so I'll put about 35% nin into my arm to block it. And trying to mirror and match what the other person is doing is how you stay alive if you want to take a real direct hit from nin. Um, so they do this slow-moving combat, which looks like dance from the outside but it's super exhausting because they have to do it very slowly. Now, eventually they get way faster so they can fight at normal speed, but in the beginning time, because they're having to think things through and really kind of figure out what is what, they can't just do it right away. So once they get up to speed in that regard, now they can finally play the game, and this is where things get more fun. So then they go and they realize the game is set up for Nin users who know how to use Nin. So if you use Go, you can start to notice things. So the horse that shot bubbles, certain of the bubbles would explode when, upon impact, but some of them didn't. 
So if you just focus on the bubbles that didn't explode, Kilo and Gon were able to navigate their way and grab onto the bubble horse and then boop, turns into a card and then they can put that in their binder. They tackle a massive cyclops by realizing that it's vulnerable on its eye. They punch the eye, it turns into a card. Then they start collecting cards here and there. They're enjoying the game. They come upon this giant tree. And the guy says, oh, ho, ho, there are some fancy beetles in here. And if you use your strength and hit it with this hammer, then uh, the, the fancy ones will fall down. And so Gon, I think he uses the hammer or he punches the tree. But he didn't use his full power because he didn't want to harm the tree. But they still get these super rare white beetles. And there's all these little tasks that they have to do. They are able to go back to Macedonia and uh, compete in the Rock, Paper, Scissors tournament. And Gon is able to win the Rock, Paper, Scissors tournament. And so he keeps that necklace of um, something so that he can, uh, I think it like heals wounds or something. But it's like a shield with some swords on it. It's pretty cool, African-looking necklace. So they're doing all this stuff. They are playing the game and they're counting cards and Biscuit is just sitting back and watching them and she's like, man, this is so cool. They're actually enjoying the game, which I don't think many people are, despite the fact that they're here looking for Gon's father. They're actually enjoying this game that he set up. And what's more is that this game is almost established to teach him Nen and the best ways to refine his Nen. By going through the different pieces, you can get much stronger in your Nen abilities. So as they're going through and they're having fun, Gon realizes, oh, Killua, it's been a year. And Killua says, what do you mean? He says, you need to go take the hunter's exam. So he says, oh, you're right. He says, Gon, uh, Biscuit, is okay if I go take the exam? And she says, yes, absolutely. I'm sure you'll pass. So that's what he does. So there's this fun chapter that shows Killua leaving uh, the game. He finds a way to get out. Uh, he goes to those um, mystical beast creatures that Gon met in like the first few episodes. And they take him to where the exam is. And Killua meets a hunter and there's way more people at the exam, like 5,000. And the guy says, okay... There's so many people here. And Keela runs into the three brothers. They're like, ah, oh, it's you. So you didn't pass either. Well, we've been training all our lives, the, the entire year so that we can pass this exam. Keela doesn't even recognize him. He's the ones that he toyed with in the forest. And he like <laughs> threw the badges in different directions. And, uh, and he just says, I wonder if there's anyone here I'm going to meet. So the guy says, okay, um, there's about 5,000 people here. We got to get that number down big time. So everybody is going to be a round robin type fight. Bring me five other people's badges and you will move to the next round. And he said he just leaves and then a giant fight breaks out. So he hangs out in the, in the back, in the stairs. He's smoking a cigarette. He's like, all right, it's been about 20, 30 minutes. Let me go see how it's going. And he goes in there and it's quiet. Because from the participants' perspective, they just see a shadow dashing about behind them, zooming, dashing, dashing, dashing. And they realize that it's Kilua. And he's knocking everybody out with small touches. And the three brothers realize that there are creatures in this world that are far stronger than they. And they are going to give up becoming a hunter because the bar is far too high in this lifetime. 
And Kilua comes in and he has a whole host of badges. And they say, he says, what happened? And the, the hunter says, what happened? He says, well, I, I knocked everybody out and I took the badges. It took me a long time to collect them all. So then he calls the president and the president just laughs and laughs and laughs. And he just says, okay, that, that is awesome. I love it. And so the guy says, okay, you've passed the hunter's exam. Congratulations, Kilua. And Kilua says, thanks. Gets his hunter's license and he goes back all on that first day. And it's such a funny thing because the contrast between this versus the very first exam and how tense it was, it's, it's a different, it's a different animal. I freaking think that that is really, really cool. Okay. So there's a lot going on with this Creed Island arc. I'm going to kind of zoom cut through the ending part. Because I want to, I don't want to extend these to be too long, because the 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 whole point of the talk through is to give you the memories, but also to get you excited about the series again. Because where it is now, I was actually planning on doing two epi- two arcs this episode. I was going to do Greed Island and Chimera Ar- Ants, and that's my fault for being overly detailed. But let me zoom through these next bits because I I want I really want to give you my impressions and not explain the whole thing to you. So as they get back, they're actually really collecting these cards and they're contacted by another group who says, okay, we're actually close to beating the game. So if you guys want to join our group, then we will meet at these conditions. So they go and it's two or three other groups of, of hunters and they're all super, super advanced uh, really, really strong types. And they say, okay, we're close to beating the game, but we need more people, and we think collaborating is the best way. So they eventually join the group, and they say, we're going to go to try to find the last two or three cards, the rare ones. We think that the final card, double zero, will appear once all 90, when someone gathers all 99 cards right? But we're not sure. So we're going to go to this lighthouse. And when they get there, they go to this village and people are like, oh yeah, uh, laser and his 13 devils. It's scary. You know, you got to watch out for the devils. And they're like, huh, I've been to this town before, but nothing is there. Something has happened. The conditions have changed. So they go and they realize that because there are 13 participants or 14 participants, then they have just the exact number to f- take on the devils. Now, what it is, is a series of competitions. It's a series of sports type games. There's a sumo game, a boxing game, a bowling game where everybody uses Nen. Um, when they get there the first time, Gone, Kilo, and Biscuit realize that they don't have enough strong participants so they throw the competition to gain intel and they say that they will be back much to the chagrin of the giant guy who's pissed off at Kilua for burning his face. So they then decide to go and gather more people. Now one guy, the gorilla guy, who is strong, he goes with them. And then they look in their binder and they realize, huh, Someone's using the name Kuro Lucifer. So if that's him, we can use him to beat this game. And so they zoom over to him and they realize that it's Hisoka bathing in the river. Now, Hisoka is there because he's just 
you know, strong competitors, doing weird stuff. That's his thing. But really, he's there looking for some way to help Kuroro Lucifer uh, remove the terrible Nin. And he heard when that there was a Nin user in this, um, in this game. So they gather him, and then they gather a few other participants who don't have to compete in any of the, any of the bouts. So they can go back, and they promise they'll help them get out of the game. So they go back and they decide, okay, now we're going to fight the game. They also get Tessica and his compatriots, whom are trying to defeat the um, defeat the game on Bautista's behalf. So they go and they have series of sports events, and then they finally get to Laser, Razor, who is an ex-con who Jing hired. And Jing said, if my son comes through, you better go all out on him. And he says, well, I might kill him. He says, it's my son. You're not going to kill him. Do your best. He'll be strong. So Laser is like, huh. He doesn't understand until they actually fight. And this is what's so interesting. I don't want to tell too much because the fights are so unique. Think of Nin dodgeball, Nin basketball, Nin battle boxing. It's so unique and interesting and such a weird... Uh, way to really show off the character's abilities that it can't really be described in this format. You gotta read it, you gotta watch it. But it's one of my favorite moments from the show. So, after that, they win, they get that card, and then they're immediately contacted by the Bomb Devil. And he says, I see that you guys have this card. Um, I think all three of them have it. Because when you get a card, there are certain cards that let you copy, make copies of other cards. And the Bomb Devil says, now we are going to take that card from you. So they devise a plan to stay away from him and then fight him until it's ready. Uh, zooming ahead a little bit more, they finally escape him and stay escaping him slowly, bit by bit, staying awake until they slowly run out of cards and they have to fight the Bomb Devil. Now, Gon, Kilo, and Biscuit say, okay, now that everybody recognizes their strengths, we are going to fight the, these guys one-on-one. -on -one. Now, Kilo's hands are messed up, and Gon is really pissed off at Bomber for what he did to all these people. But they said, okay, if we can get them separated, then we can take them out one-on-one. -on -one. The cool thing is that I love about Hunter Hunter is they actually devise a plan for defeating the Bomb Devils. Um, they figure out a way to get them separated, take them one-on-one, -on -one, and then they just defeat them. So the two side characters that aren't Gin through the Bomb Devil go down easily. Kilua is able to fight him and test out his yo-yos with electricity because he's stronger. Biscuit is able to take down the other guy because she's way stronger than he is. She's a trained martial artist. And we get the reveal that she's not exactly what she sees. Giant muscles, six foot something tall. She just makes herself look young using Nen. And then Gon is able to trap Gin through uh, through a series of just being clever all while losing a cup, both his hands in the process. Now, they defeat the Bomb Devil and have him tied up on a field and eventually get all his cards. And when they do, an alert goes off in the game stating, oh, one of our players has a full deck. Now we're going to start the trivia game to get the last card in the system. 
And Biscuit realizes, oh, so that's what they did. So now you have to answer questions about the cards to get the last card that ensures that only someone who really focused and played the game is going to know how to answer it, as opposed to someone who just stole cards and didn't do any of the work. Pretty clever. So as it happens, Gon answers most of the questions right, so he gets the last card, and then he wins the game. As it turns out, Bautista was trying to get this nin ability called Angel's Breath in card form, which would heal any wound because his wife was dying. But she died before they finished the game, so he lets them keep whatever they want, which is pretty sad. Very Kingpin-esque with his wife, Vanessa. Um, but they're allowed to take, two, I think, one card with them back into the world. And that would have been the one. But instead, they're going to get to take whatever. And as uh, the one guy who made the Nin disappear, he walked up to Bomber when he was tied up. And he, said, he put a hand on him. And he says, I caught the bomb devil. And then you hear, and that Nin creature that was attached to him dissipates and he wanders off. And he wanders off to meet Hisoka because Hisoka and the other spiders are now going to take this Nin remover, who is very rare, very rare to be a Nin remover, and they're going to remove the Nin that Kurapika placed on Kuroro so that he can now use Nin so that he can fight. So... Gone wins, and then there's this immediate like end of video game ceremony where he's taken to this like castle, and the creators of the game all talk to him. They tell him that the game was created by Jing, and Jing brought them all together. And each of the character, each of the letters in the game, makes up the name of uh, each of the letters in the game's name. Greed Island makes up the name of the game. So this is what's funny about the translation is that we learned that his name is not Jin in this arc. It's Jing, G-I-N-G. Uh, whereas we thought it was Jin for years and years and years, but it's not. So Jing is the G for Greed Island. R is the Razor for, Razor is R. Uh, Elena, Etta is E and E, the two, the, the two uh, Game Master twins. Duan is D, though his name is actually W-D-W-U-N-E, but Jing made him change his name. Uh, just said, no, just change your name. Uh, and he's pissed at him, even though it made him luckier and richer and you know healthier and all this stuff. It's, it's just one of those really funny things where Jing is so flippant about everything, but he actually is improving people's lives. So there's this parade, and it's really drawn poorly. Um, and I think it's because Togashi's health was really kind of getting to him at this time. But they they won the game, and they said, what are we going to uh, do? What are you going to take with you when you leave the game? So Biscuit says she's going to take, they can take three cards back with them. They each decide to take one. And Biscuit takes this rare gem, because he's a gem hunter, called the, the Jewel of the World. It's a jewel that's shaped like the earth and it glows and sparkles and she's going to add it to her collection gone picks out a card and he says you notice how in our uh notice within our book it says whom we have been uh, met in the game well it has everyone's name listed out and one additional person jing freaks his dad so gone says I'm going to take this card with me. I'm going to take um, 
it's a car that lets you to instantly transport to whomever you've met before in the game. And then he takes a company on and he says, I'm going to use this so I can get to my dad and take Kilua with me. And then he says, I'm going to, hi, dad, I'm gone. And this is Kilua, my best friend. And like, you know, that super like kind of kiddie way that makes Kilua really embarrassed. But they say, okay. And as they're leaving and Biscuit says, you know, I'm so just fortunate to have known you guys, known you both. I'm so proud of you. I love what you've done. Um, I'm going to miss you guys. You need to stay safe out there. And then they say, "Osu," as their um, respect. And then she gets teary-eyed. And then Gon says, okay, a company on Jing. <laughs> and they both zoom away. And they go somewhere in the world and they're teleported through this nin ability that they brought from the game into the real world to someone who's fishing with a big hat. And it's not Jing at all. Like it's, it's not him at all. That really messed me up because you keep expecting it's going to be him, but then you find out it's not him at all. It's Kite. It's Kaito. It's his former student sitting there fishing. And he says, gone, what are you doing here? And he's like, wait, where's Jen? Then it cuts back to the past where they say, where it shows them creating the game and Jean saying, hey, um, if gone comes to see me on his own, send him to me. But if he brings anybody with him, then send him to Kaito. And they say, well, what's wrong with him bringing a friend? He says, no, he can't come with a friend. He can only come by himself. So we don't get to see Jing yet at all. Gone doesn't get their meeting. And then you feel the, ugh, the frustration. But that's the end of the Greed Island arc. And I hope I did it some justice. And we went way over time, which I love. And I had a lot of fun talking about it. Because I think this is one of my favorite arcs. It's so special. I didn't even do it exact justice. But things really change in the next arc. The next arc is the Chimera Ant arc. And it is brutal. It is different. It is wild. And I am not going to get into every little detail with that arc, but we are going to do a talk through of the Chimera Ant arc. So, man, that was, that's a good one. I love Hunter Hunter. So, um, all that can be said is you have, if you haven't seen it yet, go watch Hunter Hunter. Go read Hunter Hunter. If you've read it, read it again. Watch it again, and uh, we'll get in. It, it, it gets more in depth as it goes, but it's one of my favorite series of all time. So I'm Uncle Hokage. I'm your otaku uncle. Do me a favor, share this podcast with one other person. That would make me really happy. And um, go watch some anime. You know, wake up in JRPG, do whatever it is you want to do. Forget the rest of us because we spend so much time doing what other people want us to do and then we just neglect our own happiness. But you don't have to do that. The same way that I just went and picked up a microphone and picked up a program and started to do this type of weird esoteric anime style stuff, you guys can do it too. So I'm Uncle Hokage, yo, Taku, uncle, like, share, subscribe, love, peace, and hair grease, and Q said music. <laughs>